welcome back to another episode of Wisco Owner. I'm your host, Luke Velasco, of course, joined by Tony Mulvey, and we've got a fantastic lineup for us today. A lot of interesting things happening in the freight world. Also, first, that new intro with Wissonar, that was great. Whoever did that new animation, love that. But, uh, Tony, there's a lot of exciting things happening. We're, we're, we're kind of in an interesting place here. We are officially, we're, we're, we're into the back half of Q3, first mm-hmm. off. A lot of things have been happening and kind of, you know, teeing up to, um, to something we're going to talk about later, which is contract rates. Um, so we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. But, Tony, there's been a big shakeup in the freight world in the last uh, last little bit with some acquisitions happening, right? Yeah. What's I mean, going on there? You see Heartland Express going out and purchasing CFI. I mean, it yeah. was a massive, I mean, it's a massive acquisition when you think about in the truckload space particularly. You've seen, you've seen big acquisitions. I mean, yeah. you think Knight Swift buying AAA Cooper. You see, I mean, that's a truckload carrier buying an LTL carrier. You saw TFI, who owned owned CFI, went out and bought UPS Freight, yeah. also an LTL carrier. That's where you're seeing a lot of this acquisitions happening and getting away from the commoditized freight trucking space. Yeah. This is kind of a reversal of that. It's Heartland Express purchasing CFI for $525 million. Really, grow. I mean, growing in this truckload space. They become the eighth largest truckload carrier, the third largest irregular route. So non-dedicated, if you want to think of it that way. It's probably the better way to think of it because it's not just spot market. They have contracted right. freight with a lot of customers, but it's not, hey, you're only going to be running lane A to B for this customer. So uh, it's definitely interesting. I mean, it's a massive deal. And if they can... I mean, Heartland Express has this kind of history where they don't do things that don't make them money in the long run. So yeah. it's really, it's interesting to think about. It's usually a good, good thing to do in business. Yeah, exactly. And, and Call me crazy. You're not trying to split hairs or anything with the audience. No, yeah, and they're trying to get to that 85 OR within yeah. three years. And I mean, that's a... It'd be a strong ROR. ROR. And, and I mean, that's what they're kind of known for in yeah. the truckload space is having that strong OR. So we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. But I mean, overall, the acquisition on the surface looks like a good one, especially when you think about where CFI ran. I mean, that NAFTA, as Craig alluded to on Freightways Now, that I-35 corridor, yeah. north-south, was dominated by Celadon and CFI. Well, we know what happened to Celadon right. in 2019. Now you're seeing CFI be acquired. It kind of gives Heartland some of that. I mean, you look at their acquisitions that they've made. They've made acquisitions in the northwest and in the northeast. Well, this gives them a north-south uh, connector between all the way from Mexico up to the Canadian border. I'm trying to think if I had $525 million, where would I throw up the best possible returns right now? I might just go ahead and buy uh, um, a Bath & Beyond. You're going to buy Bitcoin with $525 million? I might. It's gone down a lot, right? You know, buying his blood in the streets. True. Right? That's what they say. But $525 million, uh, you, can do, you can do a lot with that. Yeah. You can do a lot with that. It'd be interesting to see. And it's an interesting time to buy too because the, the freight market has really been so soft for, for much of this year. Yeah. Right? There's been different aspects of the freight market that have done well, absolutely. But for a lot of this year, the freight market has just experienced softening. Now, have we hit the bottom yet? Hard to know. We'll, we'll probably figure that out in six months to a year if we have or haven't. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, it, it is interesting. It, it's, it, you could argue it's a very strategic time to start looking at transportation companies. You know, and I think maybe we'll see some more acquisitions there. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of the, the how much of this is going to be a 
acquire because you want to, or a or you're selling an asset that you just don't necessarily want. And I mean, you look at what the deal is where it got purchased, right? CFI was under Conway, who got purchased yeah. by XPO, and then it got bought by TFI. And now you see it at $525 million. I think that's actually under the acquisition price that TFI paid, but it's kind of getting out of it. It's more of a strategic kind of exit, get, yeah. get rid of it. And you're not really taking a huge loss on it if, if that's the case in that value. I don't want to say, I mean, it's just a little value loss. It's not that big of a right. difference. But I mean, when you start to think about the acquisition, it, it ultimately it kind of makes sense. Uh, we talked about the USA truck one earlier this year being purchased by D.B. Shanker. That was a way for D.B. Shanker to grow their footprint here in the U.S. And now you get this one that it's, they're growing here in the U.S. And it's a way to, I mean, ultimately buy assets, buy drivers, which are arguably one of your more important assets. Yeah. I mean, that's what, or if not the most important, they're the ones that make the truck go. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's a way to continue to grow without having to spend on recruiting and things like that. Guess what? They're putting money to work. So, yeah. Uh, no, I mean, ultimately, right. that's what you want to see from a company that, uh, I mean, they announced an acquisition there of uh, Smith Transport, that Northeast carrier, earlier this year. But that was their first acquisition in three years. So, I mean, they've kind of been sitting on the sideline throughout 2020, 2021. Now they're making moves where they find yeah. that, that value. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be interesting to see what happens too and, and what, what additional you know, acquisitions and mergers maybe happen. Yeah. You know, as we finish this year out and even going into the beginning of 2023. Something that I think will really be interesting to see how that dynamic plays out is, you know, we've been looking, we've been looking at spot rates for a while now. And spot rates, we know there's no surprise here. They've been far below contract rates for months now. Nothing, nothing new about that, right? I mean, pretty much since the middle of February, spot rates fell below contract rates and they've continued to push lower and lower. In fact, with fuel now coming down, we're starting to see them push even lower. Yep. What's interesting though is we're finally beginning to see contract rates come yeah. down. We knew they were going to come down, right? All the signs were pointing towards them coming down. You have lower, lower uh, tender rejections. You have lower overall tender volume. You have lower spot rates, right? You know, l- less imports being booked, right? There, you know, inventory levels are at an all-time high. All of these factors. It was just a matter of when did the shippers finally get all of these new bids out and they go live. Now we're starting to see the answer to all that. Yeah, I mean, it took a little longer. I think a lot of this was wait and see, but you are seeing right. it. I mean, it. I think eight uh, percent from the high, down eight percent. Right. Uh, In two weeks, we've dropped almost fifteen cents a mile. Yeah, it's crazy. And that's line haul, by the way. That's not even accounting for the fuel surcharges that have come down. That's line haul, fifteen cents a mile drop. Yeah. In two weeks. Yeah, it's a big difference. And yeah. I mean, you have to think about it, right? That's on a two week lag as well. So sure. I mean, there were, this is through the beginning of August. So right. I mean, you've what you've seen it. There was like a two-week, like you said, two-week span where we came down 15 cents or 14 cents. It was like one cent per day. Yeah. But I mean, it's a big drop in the contract rate. That's very big. I mean, go look, go look at the increase, and you really didn't see that increase ever happen. It was the steady incline, right? Right. And this is just it. I think Michael last week in the Daily Watch said it best. They're falling without a parachute. I mean, it looks like they're straight down. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's definitely an interesting time when you think about how the bid cycles worked. And I mean, we talked with Emerge uh, about this, how far, how big does that gap between contract and spot have to be? It was, it never was, uh, it was, 
it's where it needs to be to see contract rates come down. It's just a matter of time. And yeah. now we're seeing that matter of time. Now we're seeing it. Let's go ahead and pull up this chart here for everybody to see, just so you can see the impact of what we're talking about here. So this might be a chart that's familiar with you a little bit already. So for, for reference, the blue line there is the contract line haul rates, okay? Sitting at, what I believe that's 276 a mile. All in, uh, and that remember, that's line haul in this case for van. The green line there is line haul spot rates. So again, we pulled out fuel so we can compare apples to apples. Sitting at under $2 a mile, again, line haul. So again, we, we've pretty much seen, you know, spot rates have maybe ticked lower a little bit recently, but for the most part, you know, they're, they pretty much once they got around that $2 a mile line haul range, they've just kind of been hanging out. Again, a little little down tick, but for the most part, no major moves since, since really their major dip from February to March. Contract rates, though, you're seeing that. You're seeing that that dip happen, and it's it's coming down with a fury. Yeah, and I mean, you have seen spot rates trend lower. I mean, that's sure. kind of expected. I mean, August is traditionally not that strong of a month. I mean, right. you really don't ever see the pressure, upward pressure that in the market. I mean, July is kind of the same way, right? It's everything coming off that summer. What you would think for the your yeah. summer shipping season, that in between, between summer shipping, so your Q, late Q2, early Q3, before your fourth quarter, right? right? And that's, it's just kind of this lull period. I don't want to say boring, but I mean, it's, it's just the, it's the typical normal season, right? Yeah. Where you don't have these booms and busts. So to see this, that spot rate decline, I mean, it's not really a surprise to me when we start talking about the other market dynamics that are going on. Yeah, no, spot on. Yeah, I think that there's definitely going to be, it'll definitely be interesting to see where all of this trends, right? Because ultimately, none of us know where the bottom is. Yeah. Right. And I think that's a question we're asking. Eventually, we'll see it. We, and we'll probably we'll see it in spot rates before, you know, in tender rejections long before we see it in contract rates. Contract rates will still continue to see some of that downward pressure before, um, even after spot rates and tender rejections hit their bottom. Because mm-hmm. um, obviously, they are, they are lagging quite a bit. But let's go ahead and throw up the, uh, um, you know, kind of the transition a little bit here. So we understand that rates are coming down. What I want to talk about, though, is this is just the line haul. We've seen fuel come down a little bit, right? You've probably yeah. seen that, right? You're going to the gas station, it's a little bit cheaper. If you're driving a truck, you know, diesel now is right around $5 a mile, mm-hmm. right? I filled up actually at uh, three, 3.15 the other day. I guess it'd be 3.02. 3.02? Yeah, that was last week too. Where at? Bucky's in Bucky's. Calhoun. That'll do it. Yeah. That's, that's the key, folks. Go to Bucky's. If you don't know what Bucky's is, then you're probably not where we are from. <laughs> is Bucky's, that's regional, or is that, are they? Yeah, are they? I mean, it's big in Texas. Big and in that's Texas, really okay. where it, I mean. Because I had never heard of Bucky's until <laughs> they opened one in Calhoun, Georgia, which is a little bit south of Chattanooga. Yeah. Curious. Yeah, it's uh, really big in Texas. Okay, that's, really big uh, in Texas. Yeah, I will say, no, they don't allow commercial, tra- no, like, semis or trucks or trailers. So, okay, so it's essentially, you they know. They do have diesel, but it's, they're, it's right. not, it's like a truck stop for the normal and regular consumer, I guess. Right. So, like the the three like Volkswagens that show up that have take diesel. Yeah. yeah. That or campers. Yeah. Or camper. whatever, okay. Things like Some that. Some trucks. So, yeah. yeah. No, that makes sense. Got it. Okay. So basically, there's no semis that are allowed there, but otherwise, yeah. I mean, because I've driven past it before, and it is ginormous. Yeah. It's absolutely ginormous. I've never actually gone to it. But I've driven past it before. It's awesome. Highly yeah. recommend. Highly recommend. Okay, so maybe that's what I'm doing here on my weekend. I'm just going to yep. go to Bucky's. But, um, yeah, so gas is coming down. Now, when gas comes down, right, because 
you've got spot rates, which are typically just priced as all in. And then you have contract rates, which are typically priced line haul plus fuel surcharge. Mm -hmm. So when fuel prices go down, what does that actually mean from, from the carrier's perspective in terms of like the money that I get? It kind of depends. I mean, it depends if you're spot or contract, right? Where you talk, where you said spot, you have that all-in rate, right? So this is an, one of those operating expenses that's coming out, that's yeah. coming down. Fuel surcharge, right? It's based on a couple different things. I mean, depends on what you're buying your fuel for, right? So we have, we'll pull up, uh, we'll bring up the chart, right? The truck stop, mm-hmm. dot, yeah, there it the is. truck stop, uh, diesel truck stop actual price per gallon in the and blue line. Yep. And then you've got the green line, that rack or wholesale price. So you can see that spread. And that's where you're making money on the fuel surcharge, right? If you're buying fuel at $3.88, but your fuel surcharge is at the retail price at just over $5, you're making money on that spread. So it, right. it's one of those where, how are you buying fuel mm-hmm. is one of the keys. And then what you're operating in that spot versus contract. But I mean, I think what's interesting here is you've really seen the diesel price that the trucks up really flatten out. And you've seen rack prices start to increase again. So it's really narrowing that spread that carriers were making, if they were in contracts, were making pretty good money on fuel surcharges back there in, especially early July, but really all through uh, from, say, early April onward. Well, guess what? I mean, that's getting narrower when you see this rack price. With rack price, you have to remember, people set, uh, the trucks up set their price kind of based on that rack price, but I mean, they're the ones setting the price, Yeah. right? So they see that start to tick up, and if it sustains itself, you may see diesel prices start to rise again. Yeah, no, yeah, spot on. And, and, and that and that's interesting to see too, because now from a shipper's perspective, you're all, like those shippers that are negotiating those lower contract rates, they almost get the double dip. Mm-hmm. They get to see some of those lower contract line haul rates and they're having to pay a little bit less on the fuel surcharge yeah. as well. So that, that's a double dip from their perspective. Yep. If I am, if I'm Target or whoever I am and I ship a ton of contract freight, you know, this is this is good news for me. Yeah, where you were, would you spend an extra billion dollars in freight spend that you didn't think you were going to have and yeah. now, now you're getting the benefit on the other side yeah. of the, the, the come down, right? I thought I was going to spend a billion, now I'm going to spend 900 million. Yeah. And guess what? You do get rewarded when you cut your operating expenses. Yeah. It's crazy how that works. But if you Amazing. can slow down those operating expenses and grow revenues, guess what? Shareholders like that. Yes. Yes, they do. It's, it's amazing how that happens and they reward you for such 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 positive impacts on the business. Right. Speaking of which, if I could save a hundred million dollars, could I, I we need to get how do you, how do we get a chunk of that? Like if you were like the transportation or director of supply chain, transportation or logistics for like Target or something, you managed to cut down expenses by a hundred million. You think they get like a percent of that? I have no idea. Not, not in my... Talk about winning the lottery. Yeah, it's not a bad one to yeah, win. Even like 1%, you know, that's a nice little bonus. Anyways, um, so yeah, so we've seen fuel come down and we're seeing the line haul rates on contract come down. So, you know, all of that is pointing towards a lot of downward pressure um, on prices. Who knows? Maybe we'll see some of that come back towards the consumer, but time will tell. Now the question is, okay, well, well, what does this mean, you know, from a tender perspective? Supply and demand are ultimately kind of the leading indicator. So we haven't looked at tender rejections and tender volume together uh, recently. So I thought this would be nice, kind of bringing us back old school a little bit. Blue line is tender volume. And look at that, pretty much since late June, or excuse me, early June, that big little uptick you see, 
there towards the bottom right. It's just been downward pressure. Yeah, I mean, that, volumes. less tenders going out. Yeah, I mean, that uptick is Memorial Day. Right. Right. I mean, and then it's down from there. I mean, you saw a little uptick right at 4th of July. Yeah. But look Teeny, at. tiny, though. Not look much. at post 4th of July. I think that's what's telling. I mean, yeah, if you think June down. is typically pretty strong, it came right off that peak and kind of flatlined all the way through. And then guess what? Down from there. So, I mean, yeah. obviously less freight. I mean, you hear it. I mean, and it's, you're seeing that now, but you're also hearing these retailers. I mean, you mentioned one, uh, but all of them are mentioning canceling orders. And guess yeah. what? That's, that's not happening now. That's not affecting freight volumes no, now. That's, not. that's upstream, right? Yeah. So that's what's coming. You're canceling orders. So, I mean, if their outlook was something, oh, I've been moving X number of loads. Well, guess what? Right. That may go away pretty quick when the actual cancellations of those orders start to flow through into the domestic supply yeah. chain or the ripple effects that you would see, that the bullwhip effect. Of- I don't see a peak season. Well, At least not one that we are traditionally used to. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be probably more muted. I mean, if you look kind of on the ocean, right? I mean, yes, there's congestion, which is keeping, you want to, it's keeping some of those customs imports a little higher than maybe what we would have expected. But you start looking upstream, right? That yeah. the bookings and, and the volumes leaving other countries that are headed here, they're still declining. Still declining. So, I mean, that's what's what you would think this is the peak season for the ocean, and you're just not seeing it come to fruition yeah. yet. And I think that's the concerning part for peak season here domestically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a slow moving process, right? Yep. It's a very slow moving process, especially now. Yes, we're still putting, bringing a ton of goods through, you know, the ports, but part of the challenge is that we're already backed up, right? You know, we're there right now. They're just backed up due to just their ability to push stuff through. There's just, there's still been stuff waiting for so long. Yeah. And there's also not a lot of places to put it. A lot of times they have to wait because they're waiting for inventory space to free up. Yeah. I think that's half the battle. I mean, yeah. these ships are off the coast are effectively acting like floating warehouses as right. opposed to, Hey, we need to get that in. And me and Donnie have talked about this a lot. It's, the goods now less time sensitive. You're just yeah. not having to push things through as fast. Whereas during the pandemic, they had to push it through instantly, right? Yeah. I mean, so it's just kind of this shift. You're seeing this shift in the consumer. I mean, you, we've talked about it a bunch, but they're spending more on gas, more on groceries, more on things like that, more on services, yeah. right? Things that aren't these tangible goods that or necessities, right? They're not spending on the discretionary items. I mean, yeah. again, if you go look at some of these retailers, go look at those discretionary items. I think TVs, appliances, things like that, they're all on sale. They are. So. Yeah, I mean, because they, they have to move inventory. Walmart talks about that too, which yep. is like, you know, they've discounted a lot of goods, targeted as well, as well as some others. And it moved the needle a little bit with inventory, but not as much as they were hoping. Yeah, I mean, I think Walmart's interesting one was that uh, one of their comments out of their earnings call or earnings release was that, you're seeing that next tier of consumer up, right? That middle to high income starting to kind of pinch pennies. You know, I've talked to people I know that, hey, we used to shop here at somewhere. Their prices are too high. We're moving to Walmart because it's a reasonable price. I mean, that's yeah. kind of the shift that you're seeing. And it has this, it's not an instant impact. And I think no. that's the key is like, what we're talking about is things that are going to change over the next six months nine months, things like that. These trends that have started, but they to come to fruition to where it's like, oh, hey, this is really happening. Yeah. It takes a while for that to actually show up in anything. Yeah. So I think that's, 
that's the key is like, we're seeing it happen. It's just, and they're telling us it's happening. It's just, it hasn't shown up yet. Yeah. Yeah. And it's only a matter of time. I want to go ahead too, though, because I think we, we've talked about a lot of, you know, negative sentiment, right? You know, everything's mm-hmm. going down. But, you know, the, the nice thing about this, there's always opportunities. Yep. Absolutely. Even in a down market, there's always opportunities. So I want to go ahead and throw up this map. A few of you guys who are familiar with the show may be familiar with this. We haven't showed it in a while, but this is one of my favorite maps, honestly. It's the weekly tender rejection map. And what it does is it's going to tell you the seven-day change in tender rejections from where we were this time last week. And, and I love it because it's it's just about showing you where the near-term near term momentum is, either yep. to the upside or the downside. That's it. It's not trying, not trying to you know, tell you or give you a crystal ball as to what's going to happen a year from now, but it's that short-term momentum. In short, the blue markets that you see there, those blue colored areas on the map, are where tenant rejections are increasing. I mean, look at South Florida there. They're seeing, seeing some upward pressure yep. way up there in Michigan, right? Seeing some upward pressure in Midwest, a couple other areas, right? Those are good signs, meaning that means that capacity is getting tighter. doesn't mean that it's super tight, but directionally, it's moving up. Yep. Those red areas are experiencing the opposite effect, right? Further downward pressure, further softening. And then the light or white colored areas or tan, unchanged from from about a week yeah. ago. So you can expect, you know, not a lot of change. So again, it's a nice signal. If I'm a carrier of where to maybe position trucks, where to stay away from, or if I'm a shipper, again, I got DCs in some of these areas. Again, where to maybe be a little proactive, make sure we have that capacity and where then maybe we can apply yeah. further downward pressure. Yeah, I mean, it gives you an opportunity to understand where, not necessarily to price freight, but it gives you an idea of which way the market's headed to price it, right? Yes. If I have spot market load in Fort Worth, right? I know mm-hmm. it's coming and I see this. It's, hey, maybe I can push it out now yeah. before rates react to that tightening. Yes. But on the flip side, hey, maybe I can wait a couple of days that's not so time sensitive in some of these red markets. I mean, look at a, a Fresno, right? Out yeah. on the West Coast. Hey, I can wait. Maybe I can wait an extra day and see if rates start to drop. Yeah. So it gives you an idea, like you said, directionally of, what the market's doing, and then you can price accordingly. You can what, and you can make decisions on. Hey, I need to tender this now, or I can wait a day. Yeah, so, exactly right. Yep. Exactly right. You know, it, it's it's all about positioning yourself. On the flip side, though, we've got a um, coming up soon. I'm very excited for <clears throat> our next our next conference F3. Yeah. That's yeah. not far away. No, I mean November first through the third. I mean, what is that? Just Three over? Months? Not even. Yeah, not even. Yeah. I mean, September first is next week. So, I mean, who's coming to F3? It's going to be a great time. You get to hang out with Luke and Tony. We're going to be doing the show on F3. We are. That's right. It's going to be, I've seen some of the speakers, some of the lineups. I mean, it looks, it's going to be awesome. Going to be awesome. And it's going to be huge too. Like, if you went to some of our last, like the last one we were in, in, um, you know, Northwest Arkansas, right? It was a good event, right? But it was a lot smaller. Everything was a lot tightly packed. This one's, uh, obviously, there's going to be a lot more people here. But also, you're gonna, it's going to be spread out along the city. So we'll have the convention center, but then there'll be activities. And I think that's what's going to be exciting is people want to network more, mm-hmm. right? They, they love seeing some of the good keynotes and the technology, but they want to be able to network more. So there's going to be activities at this golf course or, you know, at this pub or wherever. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a networking event at the aquarium. I mean, how awesome is that? It's awesome. I mean, By the way, we have a great aquarium, Tennessee yeah. Aquarium. Yeah. You know, little pat on the back. Go Chattanooga. Yeah, but then you're also 
Station Street. And I yeah. mean, there's just going to be stuff all around the city. I don't it's think not, any people here watching this know what Station Street is. That's, it's yeah. just, it's one of the best areas in town. If Great area. I will uh, attest to that. Yeah. It's, I've spent a lot of time there. What is, okay, so you got folks coming into town, right? Mm-hmm. Who aren't familiar with Chattanooga. What is something that you think is pretty Chattanoogan that, you know, they should, oh, somebody should do? That's a tough one. Mike's. <laughs> Get, getting some feedback from the year here, and we're saying Mike's hole in the wall. So if you need need to grab a, a drink with some friends or a prospect, maybe you should check out Mike's hole in the wall. Yeah, I don't know if that's a serious recommendation or not, but not I've actually never been to Mike's hole in the wall, so I can't really speak. I was there yesterday afternoon. You were there yesterday. So. Well, then there you go. You get if you want to go to hang, have a drink with Tony, go to Mike's hole in the wall. Um, have a great time. Yeah. maybe we'll do West Sonar at Mike's hole in the wall. I don't know. The walking bridge is pretty cool. The I mean, it's uh, cool. it gets a lot of like overhype, but I mean, yeah. it is pretty cool. I'm a big fan of the art district right. over by the art museum, but like specifically like you got Rembrandt's and some of those other restaurants, they got great, you know, like if you, if you like to just kind of, if you don't want to go somewhere and have a full meal, you get to go there, have some dessert, some tea, walk around, see some great views of the river. You'll have a great time. Absolutely. Means if you just great. need to, if you need to unplug for 30 minutes, go to the art district. Absolutely. Anyways, we're at the end of time here. We hope you enjoy the show. We'll see you next Wednesday, live 3.30 p.m., Eastern time. In the meantime, have a fantastic rest of your day. And let us know what you're seeing in the market. If you have questions about Sonar, let us know. You can always reach out to me on LinkedIn or Tony, but let us know what you're seeing in the market, how we can help. Have a fantastic rest of your Wednesday.